Thank you so much, Will, for joining the We Don't Play podcast show today. How are you? I'm good, man. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime, anytime. You know, this is a crazy time we're in. Everybody's trying to look for that next thing, that next big hit. So, you know, you coming and telling us about e-commerce, you know, increasing revenue streams and also having sustainable, which is a key word, passive income streams with using outsourced e-commerce is a big topic. And I know that people will definitely benefit from today's discussion for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously e-commerce has been around for a while now, um, but I think it really got brought to light in terms of a true passive opportunity in the last, I'd say two to four years. Mm -hmm. um, When these companies started popping up that were sort of pretty much bringing opportunities to people who don't really have time to build out their own e-commerce business, but really want to partner with an organization that has done it multiple times and can do it for them in a partnership manner. Uh, and that's essentially what our company does. Um, we work on third-party platforms primarily. So your Amazon Prime businesses and your Walmart businesses. And I'll obviously dive a little bit more into that today, but yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head with that. It's, it's, it's one of those industries that also, you do your quick research on it and you don't even know where to start. Um, so it can be very confusing on what's the best place to start depending upon your financial background and where you're sort of at with things. And um, our, our job is to bring more visibility to it and, and democratize it as an investment opportunity for your regular investor. 100%, 100%. Thank you so much for letting us know that. Like, tell us a little bit more about you as well. Like, how did you get started? Like, what was the driving force that pushed you to this point? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I... You know, I've been, my, my career the last 10 to 12 years, you know, prior to starting Ascend Ecom, our organization, I, you know, I was working W2, came from a background in the tech industry, primarily working for uh, startups in that kind of fast paced environment of, you know, what's, what's coming around the corner, you know, wearing a bunch of different hats in marketing sales, all that kind of stuff. But I was always intrigued by the, the startup life because it's not really predictable. Uh, and I think that draws a lot of lines with a lot of parallels with entrepreneurialism um, and the unpredictability of it. And so I was always sort of, you know, looking towards how I can make money online, how I can sort of add another source of income, et cetera, really sort of add additional sources, but also I was busy with a full-time gig at the time. And so I got involved in sort of e-commerce, I had my, my failures on Amazon, my failures here and there, trying to start a brand, um, et cetera, et cetera. And a few years ago, you know, I've already been sort of ingrained in Amazon as a platform. I've learned about it. I sort of knew what was going on in uh, the last 10 years to some extent. And my business partner and I, you know, we actually, these companies started popping up, which, you know, I'm sure some of your listeners have maybe may or may not have heard about the term automation. So automation is like your buzzword for these organizations are sort of automating an investment in Amazon and doing it all for you, right? And we saw this and we read the business model for, I guess, a company, you would call them a competitor, but I don't really think they're a competitor now. But at that time, you know, on the surface, they sort of do what we do. And him and I invested in that opportunity to sort of test the waters on it. And instantly, we just started to realize that there is, you know, a great model out here. And, you know, I, I always say this, this is really just what sparked us starting this organization. There's just too many companies out there that weren't effectively actually you know this model wasn't really getting effectively done and executed and so we saw an opportunity to take a business model out there that was broken and need refinement 
and needed, you know, real business acumen to come in there and pretty much take that model and, and legitimize the term automation. And so that's where we sort of spawned Ascend Ecom. Uh, and we started pretty much on a small scale. And I was already working, still working for an organization at that time. My business partner was doing his degree, his uh, business degree at, uh, at Michigan. And so we started small scale. We really wanted to prove out what we knew, you know, what we could do differently and how we could improve upon that model that was out there and where the real gaps are that we could fill. And we did that for about, you know, eight to 10 months with a small amount of clients. And we found out that we really had something special and how we approached it differently. It was really focusing on the infrastructure of the business first and ethics from the top and doing right by your clients and on being honest uh, in the investment and transparent in the investment, um, given that e-commerce is a very, I don't wanna say volatile, but it's a very, it's on a fast train. So there's a lot of moving parts. And and that pretty much led to cut two, you know, we're two, two, over two and a half years in now and almost 500 clients. We've done millions of revenue for our clients um, over the last couple of year, years. And we've got two warehouse facilities in Dallas, Texas, an office in Los Angeles, which I'm in right now. Um, and yeah, and we continue to bring this opportunity to investors who are looking to diversify out of their traditional investments of stocks, real estate, which is obviously inflated at the moment, or just getting, dipping your toes in an initial investment for the first time and really automating that investment for, for people. They, they invest in upfront and we, we essentially take that, that capital, we put it towards our infrastructure and then we leverage the client's working capital, which I'll define these two a little bit later into the podcast, but, um, and we leverage that in order to source products, handle the entire process, run it through our warehouse and our supply chain all internally and make their business profitable. And then we work off a profit split. So the success of our clients pretty much generates us uh, profit from our clients as we take a small portion of the success that they have. Mm. <sighs> You've brought a lot to me. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And I like it because it's a challenge for a lot of people listening. Because, you know, when you yeah. hear passive income, you think, oh, yeah, I'm just going to make money in my sleep. But there's a lot of groundwork. There's a lot of Titanic iceberg tactics that you have to pull out that's going to really give you that passive income. Because if it's working passively, then there has to be some type of automation you've created, like you said. So when th people think about creating business, right, and they have a website, case in point, I have a website, I have products, I have all my policies, you know, place, terms and conditions. Now I just want to set this up and scale. You know, I deal with yeah. SEO specifically and I'm, I know how it, you know, it really affects, you know, SEO positively for Google and, you know, search engines in general. Yeah. But when it comes to the product and consumer base, that's a whole different ballgame. So yeah. how does that play a role in acquiring those new leads and returning customers so you can get the best consumer experience? Yeah, so I mean, there's we run a hybrid model on our on our clients' businesses, and so we we're using third-party platforms. So we're not we're not doing Shopify. This is strictly on Amazon or 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 Walmart. And the beauty of that is we build every business surrounding wholesaling. So wholesaling is already brand name products that we're either just getting access to them at a, at a lower cost per unit so we can sell it cheaper than the competitor. But these are products that are already doing well and or um, we have analytics that says that there's gonna be a boom in them, whether it be a seasonal trend or something like that, right? And so foundationally, the business is really built upon products that sell well already and where we get make our clients competitive is sourcing them 
at a price where we can actually undercut the competitor price-wise and also looking at the competitive landscape on what are the competitors who are selling this product, what's their store health, what are the reviews like, uh, what is their inventory level currently. These are all these, there's a lot more to it than that. That's a few of the layers that sort of play into algorithmically how you can come in and become a premier seller on the Amazon platform. Because um, Amazon likes to favor certain businesses and products that are coming from certain businesses based on a bunch of different factors. So we play that into it on essentially the base of everyone's program is wholesaling. But leading into a little bit more advanced style of what we do also is private labeling. And that's when you build out a brand um, for our actual clients. So some of our clients that might have a little bit deeper pockets or want to, they see the value in the long-term um, play of actually private labeling, which essentially means taking, uh, let's just say, you know, I got like a charger head right here, a charger. This is not, electronics are the most saturated thing on Amazon, so don't take this to heart. I'm just using this example. Um, it's really finding something that can sell really well, right, that is selling well, and then branding it. Maybe the competitive landscape isn't that much. There's not that many people selling it, but we see that it's trending upwards. Obviously, there's more factors than that, factors to it than that. But taking that, finding a manufacturer for it, um, most likely overseas, sometimes in the US, overseas are gonna get a better margin um, that's in a, in a lower cost per unit. Um, negotiating a deal with that manufacturer and then branding it to the client's own brand. And so no one can actually, there's also perceived value of stuff like this too. And so you go in, you build a brand on Amazon on top of your wholesaling and there could be Charger A, which is a no-name brand, which is whatever brand, and then there's Charger B, which is John Doe's brand. And once you actually you gain traction, the pricing that you can actually do with these brands, you know, it's based off perceived value and the actual, you know, the history of the brand and the volume sold and all that. And that's a little bit further down the line, but in the original point here I'm trying to get at is that it's a lower cost per unit. Most of the time your, your, your mar margins are a lot higher. And that's when you actually play into maybe a little bit of PPC ads and you do giveaways and ways to really gain traction for your actual brand to get it at that point where you can sell this John Doe brand because it's got that brand for $49.99, even though it might actually technically be the same product as the one that's $19.99, but people will buy the $49.99 one that gives you a 70% margin because your brand holds value and there's a perceived value behind it based on the historical reviews and stuff like that. Obviously, that's pretty a complex answer I just gave you, but that's a good way to sort of give you an example of how far we can go with these businesses and where we can sort of take them to the next level. Nah, that is spot on. Thank you so much for bringing that up because when people think about it, we know for sure cheap is expensive because you're going to end up yeah. spending more at some point because you're trying to go through the shorter route. So it's like yeah. if you are able to scale out and really build out the business sustainably, then the people that actually have that experience leave reviews. And those reviews also increase your visibility and credibility as well. Because like you said, Amazon or Walmart, no one's going to go and just pick up anything from the store without checking out reviews. So yeah. it really helps to know exactly where you want to scale and how you want to scale. But now my point is for you know passive income stream or just creating wealth you know, in that regard, how does a business owner or someone that's thinking along those lines, should they go electronics? Should they go sustainability? Should they go to appliances? Where should they go so that they don't feel stuck? Cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, it's a tough question to sort of answer, you know, so when someone invests with us, they don't have to think about it. Okay. We do the entire thing for them. So they sit back 
and they literally can check in once a week. We leverage their capital, capital, and it's our job to make sure their store is profitable based on the data. And that data can be historical trends, seasonal trends, predictive data, sort of mixed into our own way of approaching why we're sourcing and how we're sourcing mm -hmm. products. But the whole point is not to put that stress onto the client. They pay us because they want someone who knows what they're doing to make these decisions for them so they don't have to stress about what's the next play. But to give you sort of an example, there are, I mean, there's every category does really, really well on Amazon, right? There's a lot of opportunity on Walmart for automotive parts. For some reason, there's data around. More people that are looking for automotive parts online will actually go to Walmart over Amazon. Mm. I'm not sure exactly why. That's just one data point that I pulled the other day. Um, but also there's, there's categories that you can't just sell in. So if you're a new seller, let's say you are doing this by yourself, you have to be ungated. Ungating means the ability to actually sell certain categories or brands from Amazon and approval by them. And so as a new seller, you can't just sell any type of food instantly. You can't just sell any kind of brand name product instantly. They, they want you to have stature and to prove that you're a wholesaler and or you should have the ability to actually sell that product. And we do that for our clients as well, is we open up categories for them to sell and we sell in those categories, which are technically less competitive than the actual regular landscape that you see. And so to answer your question for us, Yes, if you invest with us, you don't have to think about this. We do it all, and you can just see it play out. Um, but if you're doing this on your own, you know, there's plenty of softwares out there that can sort of pull some data for you. Um, you know, some are better than others. That's why we use five different softwares and we human scrubbing and our own data on this. We, we pretty much mitigate risk by applying all of them. But my point is there's softwares that, that you can learn about what rankings there are, where, and why you should be, um, why you should be essentially um, sourcing certain products where and and to be honest with you what's recently been I guess the pandemic yeah it is over but the afterdraft of the pandemic has led to a serious increase in hospitality related products like restaurant stuff takeaway forks stuff like that on on Amazon for example um, because a lot of these wholesalers that a restaurant will actually initially go to they are running out of inventory. And so these restaurant owners are now going to amazon.com to buy their takeaway boxes. So mm. that's an example of something that we've seen a huge push in in the last you know, six to 12 months as the hospitality and travel industry has obviously blown up um, and got back on track. Wow, that's a big point you've mentioned because when you think about restaurants and paying that you know wholesale price for 10,000 units, you know, per quarter or whatever, you know, it really shows that there's power in demand and supply. You know, you really want to think about those things and know exactly where you want to place your products and how you want to place them out there. And, you know, as you said, you know, Amazon is a big platform. Walmart is a big platform. But when people are searching for things, you know, what catches their eye are the thumbnails, to be honest. It's, yeah. it's like, just like YouTube or any other platform. So how do you, like you said, you do the heavy lifting, but if someone's thinking yeah. creatively as an entrepreneur, where, yeah. where are those creative steps they have to think about before actually placing pricing models through? Yeah, well, I mean, like if they're, uh, the creativity aspect of this is gonna be if you are doing your own private label. So if you wanted to source mm -hmm. something from China or overseas and, and say you have a passion for athletic, apparel or fitness or whatever it may be and you want to start you want to start selling workout bands or whatever whatever it may be um when it comes down to 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 pulling the data on it i mean first you know there's 
a huge process here. I have a lot of steps. I'm not going to run through all of them. Yeah. But the creativity side, that, that side comes into play after you know it's going to be a sellable item based on the data, obviously. You don't want to source something just because you have a passion behind it and it's just going to sit there on the shelf and then it's a waste of money, right? First, you need to pull the data and find out, well, this product will sell based on what's trending, et cetera, and the cost per unit I can source it at. The creativity side of it, I mean, you have, there's manufacturers that can brand your own products in certain ways in terms of slapping labels on it, doing cool boxes. You can get professional photography. There's outsourcing for that to be able to, to, but at the end of the day, you're right. People do shop by thumbnails, but what they shop even more on and what's, what's on the first page. So your priority should be at the end of the day, you should be making sure that algorithmically you're sourcing the right product first and those photos and the creativity side can always come later. That being said though, if we go outside of this, and this isn't my specialty, but Amazon's one of the platforms you could be selling on, right? You can actually build out a storefront on Amazon and get creative with how your storefront looks. So there's the general, the general ability to like send me someone searching workout products or, or workout bands, right? The first, you know, 20 products show up. Yeah, everyone sort of has a similar kind of nice photo. That's great. But whatever's on the first page generally is what's going to have 80% chance of actually selling. Mm -hmm. So your your goal should be to get on the first page. But if someone likes your product and then they click on visit this store, John or Jane Doe's store, your store can have its own design on Amazon. So it's not just Shopify or outside of third parties where you can actually have a storefront that has its uh, you know a cool way to be able to design it and to make it look have a flavor of your own when you get past a certain point you can actually you have a product that's selling well and that can draw a client into your brand into your store that's when you get creative and sort of get that kind of creative feeling around how you want to design your storefront and then also run ads to something like a Shopify or something hopefully that answers your question mm. um, but it's just sort of tough when you're on a third-party platform because this is a very competitive landscape and at the end of the day, creativity is extremely important, but where you need to be creative in is actually pulling the data and making sure it's gonna sell first. And then all that other stuff will happen afterwards. It's different when you are running an ad, for example, or making a creator for an ad, or, or running people directly to your storefront on a Shopify platform. It's slightly a little bit different, but yeah. Yeah, yeah that is so different actually. Now that you mentioned that, what comes to my mind is, how do you do the marketing piece? for someone who's thinking yeah. about this like you can be on amazon all day on walmart but let's say somebody wants to market or do some pr for their business how do they really structure it do they think about blogging do they think about podcasting do they think about books do they think about magazines like how do they build that presentation so they're not like oh another person yeah uh, to be honest with you at amazon this is again a lot of these these questions which are leading into an advanced version of an investor with us if they actually are looking at building a brand. Because to be completely blunt with you, I mean, our investors and how we do things, they're simply just, they're not looking for a creative thing. They're looking for an investment that is an alternative to your regular, like stocks are not exciting to most people, right? right. <laughs> you don't get creative with stocks. You invest in them for long-term returns, right? Mm -hmm. Or potentially short-term, depending on how you're investing, right? This is a similar kind of thing. This is a digital asset that you invest money and we're selling everything from Barbie dolls to tire greaser. Like there's nothing sexy about what we're selling. What's sexy about it is that you have an appreciating asset that's going to turn profit and appreciate value over time and be sellable as an actual digital asset. Mm -hmm. And so where I'm trying to get at here is that none of it, none of that really necessarily matters. You, you essentially have an Amazon business 
and it's just selling products that are potentially changing over and over again and it's just a way to drive money and have an appreciating asset in terms of building out a brand and that kind of stuff i mean that, that is a whole other podcast <laughs> on private labeling and, and how you can sort of get to that point where it's becoming a full-blown thing um and we can get clients to that point but everyone's initial investment they're 99 of the people that come on board they invest and their questions aren't really around you know i want to sell this or i want to do this it's more of like, do we trust you as a partner? Here's my capital. Let's make this money work for me. And that's essentially what we do. And would you say this is a risk or this is a guarantee? Yeah, well, we have, every business is risky, right? I'm not of gonna come here and tell you that there's zero risk in anything. What we'll tell you though is we do guarantee your investment. So if you invested, let's just say 30 grand with us or whatever you invested with us, that $30,000, is guaranteed contractually. If you don't make that back, we will buy back your business for the difference of what you didn't make back, mm. right? So every single store hits its stride at a different time. So some stores will start doing really well around month three. Some will start doing really well well, well around month seven, seven. So you need to invest in this and already be financially comfortable. This isn't something to replace anyone's income. This is something to supplement income and for you to invest and realize that it takes time for it to flourish, but you know that your investment is secure. So you're essentially putting it into an account that is appreciating and giving you a commodity online and letting us ruin the entire thing for you. And if we fast forward and for some reason your store is not nearly as successful as we predicted it to be at that point, we make sure, I mean, at the end of the day, we are invested in your business because that's how we make back end profits is by taking a percentage of the net profit you actually make as an investor, right? right. And so you can feel secure in the fact that we're in it in a partnership or in it to to breed success on both sides uh, but there is that security blanket of knowing that if things don't go as planned 100 percent, then the ex the initial upfront that you've actually paid we will make sure that you get that back at minimum so yes every business investment is risky but in order to mitigate that we do have that guarantee clause in there oh nice that's a good way of putting it because that's like a safety net that they can look at knowing that okay i'm putting all my eggs in this basket i'm not supposed to yeah but <laughs> i'm gonna try <laughs> and eventually if anything works out then i can really see that yield and profit over time which is the long-term effect of what you're doing initially yeah absolutely i mean at the end of the day it's like this is people know what amazon prime is but they don't know anything about running an amazon business and so or investing in e-commerce so this is right a brand new investment for 99% of people. And when you invest in things that are brand new, you're weary about it, right? And so we put that clause in there, that buyback clause, that guarantee to put some people, you know, peace of mind, because you do have to be patient in this investment. It's not something where you, excuse me, where you invest and then you're starting to generate money like the first three weeks or something like that. It's just not how it works. Right. We're building a true asset. It takes time for it to flourish, it takes time for the strategy to develop, it takes time for your store to be seasoned. Yes, we are accelerating you into the Amazon ecosystem and essentially making you a competitive seller in, in a matter of months, which you could not do by yourself. <laughs> it only is possible with our infrastructure, but it does involve having patience and knowing that there's a guarantee there and knowing that, like I said, you could, you could start seeing pretty consistent revenue month three, or it might take eight months. But most clients break even on their investment roughly around 12 months on average again but it varies for everyone it depends on the kind of capital injection you can put into products okay 
And now the last question I wanted to ask was like chargebacks, for example, when, you know, it happens, it may be 1% of the whole 12 months, you know, but if those things come to happen, you know, are there any things that, you know, at least allow your clients to feel secure so they don't feel like their PR is being, you know, tarnished, you know, in a way? Yeah, so there's, and I have to look into the policy again on Amazon. So the fact that we actually do Amazon Prime and we also do uh, FBM, so fulfilled by merchant, fulfilled by Amazon, there is a liability aspect on Amazon side as well, where it's coming from their warehouse directly. Mm-hmm. So depending on how that chargeback was actually initiated, if it is it from the product coming damaged potentially, or is it from, you know, uh, the Amazon delivery guy throwing it over the wrong fence and never really arriving, like, there's a lot of factors that play into that, but know that if it's an Amazon Prime product, which is FBA built by Amazon, there is a liability aspect that Amazon holds on that. Um, and I, have to, I can't give you an exact answer on the clause around that, um, but I do know that char- chargebacks on the FBM side, it's, it's a lot lower than you actually would ex- expect. Yes, you do have to hold some of the weight on that sometimes, but at the end of the day, the net ROI on this is always gonna be a positive aspect. And we're, we're seeing something that's consistent with specific product, that's a whole other conversation. Right. But a random chargeback here and there on your business might happen. And that's just the nature of having a business. It's the same thing as if you open a, a grocery store and you know some fruit goes bad in the produce section. You gotta throw that out and lose money on that, but you make up for it on the net profit you're making with all the other products you're selling. Right. It's just the nature of having a retail business. Right, right. That is spot on. This is definitely one episode I know a lot of people are going to replay a lot <laughs> because you've definitely put it all in one and you've given people that idea to think about, okay, if I want to start an Amazon business, I need to know how to do it. And I don't want to like shoot blanks and just figure yeah. out, oh, okay, let's see whether the spaghetti is going to stick on the wall. And then you've messed yeah. up your whole canvas, you know, so it's a really good way to think about it. If there's one thing that you can tell people who are thinking about starting this type of business, what would that advice be? Yeah, uh, number one, work on if you don't have a good credit score, personal credit, starting before you start any business, you should have good credit because you will get your hands tied down the line if you don't have good personal credit to start. Good personal credit leads you into leveraging good business credit, leads you into leveraging the bank's money at 0% and not your own money, leading to a more scalable business, whether you work with an automation writer like Ascend.com or you don't. Um, you eventually want to leverage business credit. In order to get business credit cards, you need to have good personal credit. And business credit cards, when you put balances on those for product, those balances don't report to your personal credit. Therefore, it doesn't affect your personal score and it helps you sort of scale further and also gain the benefits of points, travel stuff, all the sugar on top that aligns well with this actual business model. So one thing to leave with everyone is work on your personal credit first, get above a 700, before you start a business just so you don't hit momentum and then have to stop because your hands are tied due to no no access to working capital so number one working your personal credit that leads to good business credit and that leads to a scalable business in general beautiful i love what you said about credit because we didn't even touch on that so that's a good icing <laughs> on the cake because a lot of people yeah. kind of ignore that and they're like you can get a twenty-five thousand credit line or whatever thousand credit line and use that to your advantage but you also have to be smart that you don't exhaust it and then you can't pay your 30 percent or your minimum or just you know exactly. the whole thing over yeah there's a lot there's a whole a whole podcast podcast we can go on about this but at the end of the day we want you want to be able to leverage banks money at zero percent it's a lot easier than people think 
without getting you know nailed by these crazy fees and also not putting on your personal credit once your store or business gets to a certain degree and knowing that you're taking liability off your personal credit you're putting on your entity's credit and you're building business credit you're building your business and you're also getting all these amazing points to either get cash back or again like i said before travel whatever your passion is yeah. a lot of benefits out there 100 percent, 100 percent. wow Thank you so much, Will, for bringing all this great content, you know, to the podcast show today. And I know that people are definitely going to look forward to get in contact with you. Um, what are the ways they have um, that are available that are also, you know, eligible for them to actually connect with you? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So we just launched our new website. Um, got a little bit of facelift, more information on our website mm-hmm. uh, than the previous one. It's www.ascendecon.com. That's A-S-C-E-N-D ecom.com um, so you can book a call directly with us there you can look at some of the publications about us um, information about our some of our business models etc uh, and and then you have our social channels which obviously we have a YouTube channel Ascend Ecom um, our IG is Ascend A-S-C-E-N-D underscore E-C-O-M we post pretty much every single day bunch of updates there we'll probably have clips of this podcast on there eventually um, and yeah and that's where you can also DM us there as well and and yeah, and find us on there. Amazing. Thank you so much, Will. This has been an amazing show, amazing episode, and I'm definitely looking forward to having you back again very soon in the near future. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me. It's been a good chat. Anytime, anytime. Bye. Awesome. Take care. Take care.